Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into Speak Family. It's about to be the greatest sports show of the day. I'm Emmanuel Lacho. That is the one and only Dave Hellman. He knows all things about the NFL. The one and only brilliant Joy Taylor and Eagles all-time rushing leader. If you leave me hanging, I swear I'll be on LaShawn, Shady, McCoy. Now, we got to talk about America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. They host the Colts on Sunday night. They're off to an impressive 8-3 and three start. But you need to hear what their quarterback had to say because although he has thrown seven touchdowns in his last three games, he's also thrown four interceptions. Hey, he's not going to stop taking chances, though. He said, quote, I'm not going to stop being aggressive. That's the belief in myself. Close quote. Now, Dave Hellman, you've covered the Cowboys for oh so long, so I'm going to come to you with this thought. That Prescott, he's not going to stop being aggressive, but I would suggest that his aggressiveness cost the Dallas Cowboys a playoff game last year. If you all remember the very end of the game, the final play, Dak Prescott, he runs a QB draw. Had he not been so aggressive and decided to maybe slide a second, two seconds, three seconds sooner, the Dallas Cowboys would have had one more play, maybe would have won that game. The star quarterback for America's team, Dak Prescott, his aggressiveness, I would suggest, has cost that team. So, Dave, do you have an issue with Dak Prescott saying he won't stop being aggressive? Absolutely not. No, of course not. What, like, okay, just let me flip the script on you real quick and imagine if Dak Prescott stood in front of the media and was like, yeah, man, it, stuff goes bad when I throw it more than 10 yards down the field. <laughs> like, this, I don't know about all that. I need to rein it. No, you want your quarterback to be confident. My thing with Dak, and I've said this a bunch of times on this show, I think aggressiveness can turn into recklessness. Yep, and, okay. and it's been a problem for Dak this year, particularly throwing over the middle of the field. I'd like to rein some of that in. I think you can be too aggressive. But I absolutely want my quarterback taking shots down the field. I love it. I got a problem with it, a big problem with it. First of all, we don't want to see Dak trying to be more dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's the quarterback where he needs to average, I don't know, 17 to 18, maybe 20 passes a game, and that's it. Let's, let's, get, let's get the running backs involved. Let's let the defense win the games. Let's do that. Let's be more conservative. We don't want to see more dangerous Dak because we know what happens. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Turnovers. Dangerous Dak. Dangerous Dak. Yeah, like, don't, come on, Dak. That's pretty good. Put, look, put, that, put that gun back in your yeah. – put it back in the holster. <laughs> don't be shooting that thing back too much. No, I don't have a problem with him saying he's going to not stop being aggressive. Like, Dave, what's he going to get up there? I'm going to be very conservative. I don't like throwing it downfield. <laughs> I mean, he really any problems stop. around here? Look, everyone fell in love with the Cooper Rush Cowboys, mm-hmm. right? Yes, Shady was in love with the Cooper Rush Cowboys. Still love, still like, love the Cooper yes. Rush Cowboys. You like you're, not beating, you're not beating real good teams that put up a bunch of points that way. You're just not. I mean, it was, it was great for what it was, and he followed the playbook, and he stayed in the lines, and that's did what was asked of him, 
And he was good. Mm -hmm. He didn't turn the ball over, which was the biggest, biggest point. But I like that he's saying he's not going to stop being aggressive. One, because it's confident, which you're going to need, especially going into the postseason. And two, because this is what they need to do to win big games. They're going to have to have big moments where he can't be gun shy. He's nope. going to have to pull that thing out and be dangerous that. Just, you know. Be a little more conservative about when you, you be dangerous, that. Here's my thought, though, and Dave, I want to come back to you momentarily. Consider this, America. Dak Prescott has an MVP vote. A guy by the name of Russell Wilson does not, but Dak Prescott does. Remember what he did when he got the MVP vote. 23 touchdowns. Not the 37 he threw two years ago, last year. 23. That's only 62% of his touchdown high. So when Dak Prescott was at least considered by journalists who vote on the MVP most valuable player, when he was considered an MVP candidate, he was not actually aggressive. He was conservative, at least statistically speaking. When the Dallas Cowboys had the best record they've had under Dak Prescott, 13-3 his rookie year, when they went to the playoffs as a one seed, America's team, a one seed, he was not actually aggressive. He was conservative. So, Dave, I'm coming back to you. If you've seen MVP vote Dak and you've seen the best Dallas Cowboys version of Dak when he is not actually being aggressive, he's being conservative, why now do you think Dak Prescott would benefit from being aggressive? That was rookie Dak Prescott. That's who sh – 2016 Dak is who Shady thinks Dak is today. And they're not, they're not the same quarterback. The answer is because you have a quarterback who is capable of giving you an advantage in the passing game. Like, the numbers speak for themselves. Since they came back, since he came back from his broken thumb, the Cowboys lead the league in whatever category you want to throw out there, be it scoring offense, be it total offense, being third down efficiency. You don't want to take that away. You play conservatively when you don't have a quarterback who's capable of making the difference. Dak is. And I think this past game on Thanksgiving is a perfect illustration of what I'm talking about. Dak threw two picks in that game. One of them, go ball toward the sideline. He thought he had a penalty flag. He thought it was a free play. Dak is phenomenal at taking advantage of a free, uh, free play. He chunks it 25 yards downfield, throws a little bit too far inside, a little bit of a miscommunication between him and Michael Gallup. It gets picked. I can live with that all day, every – yes, I can't. That's an aggressive play. If he hits, they pick up 30 yards on a play that he thought was free. That is aggressive. Reckless is later when you throw the ball between the hashes to a well-covered C.D. Lamb, it gets batted away, batted up into the air, and picked off. That's what I've seen too much of from Dak. But when you've got a quarterback who is capable of making plays down the field, why, why wouldn't you want that? He has shown the ability to be both aggressive and smart with the football. 37 mm. touchdowns to 10 picks. Mm. 37 touchdowns to 10 picks last year. He was talking to you. You don't want that? You don't want that. He was standing in your soul. 37. I want to finish. You were standing in your soul. I want you to finish. I'm, I'm, so, I'm done now if you want to go. Okay, so, Whatever you so I wrote down, you said the, the dangerous pass. In my words, dangerous pass, 25 yards. It got picked off, right? On the sideline? On the yeah. sideline. And, and, and you're saying you want, to, you want him to still be aggressive. I can live with that. You can live with that? Okay, so can you live with this? He has 10 touchdowns and, and six picks right now, right? He's only completed. Two passes over 25 yards, ball in the air. Wow, is that good? Why does it have to? Who cares? That's that's more aggressive. That's what do you mean? That's more aggressive. The the first time you threw, you threw a pick. You only threw, you only completed two of them. So and then my thing is, he's attempted only 11 passes over 25 yards in the air. So when you say you want to be more dangerous, what does that mean? When you want to slow down, what does that mean to me? That means that the more you throw deep, the more you start throwing, you're gonna throw picks. That's not your game. Let's stick to the small things. That 20 20 passes, 22 passes a game. Flats, right, and, and checkdowns. That's what he does. That's uh, Dak Numbers is most don't hold up, bear that out at all. Dak is is I guess the most efficient when he's doing stuff stuff like that, managing games. 
Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action here and there, throw on five-yard, six-yard passes. That's, what, that's how he plays. Keep in mind that's not, Joy, necessarily a damaging statement. Right, I don't know why people take offense to the fact of like being a manager of an NFL right. football team of a five billion dollar organization. We take that as such a damning statement. Joy, Dave said something <laughs> smart. I want you to break it down for us. He said that Prescott is capable of doing the extraordinary, but though he's capable of it, do the Cowboys need it in your mind? Not every game, not every moment, but they are going to at some points need that. That's why we give those guys that kind of money. That's why they get that kind of praise. That's why when the games are won, we count them as quarterback wins mm -hmm. and losses, mm -hmm. right? And when we put the matchup out there, it's Dak versus Patrick Mahomes yep. and not Dak versus the Chiefs defense, which yep. is what it actually is. So, yes, you do need him to have the capability and the confidence to make the right decision in that moment. And you don't want the, the Cowboys to change up what they're doing right now. They're winning, are they not? Yes. Mm -hmm. Are they playing well? The, the offense is working? So why, why, are we, why are we wanting to dial it back at this point in the season? I would say this reason. I have not yet seen the Dak Prescott aggressiveness benefit the Cowboys. What do I mean? Week one, let's go back there, and then I'll catch all up on where we are right now. So Week Bucks, one, Bucks, Bucks, the loss to the, the Bucks. Bucks. That game truly turned, and Dave Hellman, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, it truly turned on a Dak Prescott errant throw, aggressive throw, incorrect throw. That is where the game turned. In Cowboys territory, Bucks get it, Bucks go down and score, and now it was a 3-0 game. That game blows open. It was a low-scoring game. I believe the final was 19-3. Y'all go do your research and confirm. But then you fast-forward against the Chicago Bears. Right before halftime, Dak Prescott throws a pick. It cost the uh, Dallas Cowboys three points. It's the Bears. It don't matter. They won 49-29. to 29. But when you are playing the San Francisco 49ers, when you are playing Eagles. the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles, yeah. when you are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers once again, that is where, Dave, I'm slightly concerned about the aggressiveness because it ain't burned them yet. But it might. It actually has. I'll give you the credit of saying it has burned them. Dak threw two, I would call them, reckless picks in an overtime loss against the Packers. One mm. in the end zone. Again, if, if I could, like, just get Dak to stop throwing it deep between the hashes or at least do it less often until it turn, like proves to work, I, I think the Cowboys could fix whatever problems that they have because that's where Dak has gotten into trouble. Three of his interceptions, I think he's got six or seven on yep. the year, half of six. them have come on these deep throws you know between the hash marks. But also, okay, Shady's cool little arbitrary number of 25 yards in the air. That matters. That completely, matters. It completely disregards. Again, like, you want to talk about aggressive, that's converting third and 14 with a 16-yard throw to C.D. Lamb. That's hitting C.D. on the goal line, which uh, who cares about his touchdown numbers? He hits C.D. on a third and 10, puts him on the goal line. Zeke Elliott runs it in. Does anybody care who gets the credit for the touchdown? Good Dak point. Prescott Good doesn't. Point. He converted multiple third and longs. This past game is a great example. A guy like Cooper Rush, conservative quarterbacking, you say, oh, take the check down. It's third and 14. We're punting. Dak Prescott says, to hell with that. We're getting this thing. It doesn't matter if it's third and 10, third and 12. And he does it repeatedly. It's, I'm sorry it's not 25 yards, but if you wait, can wait. reliably pick up 10 yards on third and eight, that is top-level quarterbacking. See, now, you're, you're, he's picking out a couple plays, right? I'm sure, I'm sure Cooper, Cooper Rush can probably do that here and there. They're first in the league what, in third-down efficiency what, what since I, that came back. I mean, yeah. Well, 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 what well, is listen, more important than that? This, this is the problem. The problem is when they can't run the ball. See, that's cool. The numbers sound good. Third and threes, third and twos. That's manageable. Anything on the playbook's open. A third and three, third and two, third and four, anything's open in the playbook. But what happens when you got to keep consistently do third and nines, third and eights? What helps, what? You, what helps you run the ball? A quarterback who scares the defense with no. his ability to throw. Hold up. It's the other way around with the Cowboys. Every team that comes in to play the Cowboys, they're not scared of Dak Prescott. 
Who they worried about? And I want you to tell the world, and don't lie to me. I'm not going to lie. I would love to poll defensive coordinators you, across the league. And you think, you think they worry about that? Yes. Not, not the office, not, that, not the uh, running game? The running game's good. Come on, man. Good? No team with a great running game and a bad quarterback goes anywhere. This isn't 1996. <laughs> goes anywhere. Where oh, do the Titans go? This to the play? Okay, that's all not the all goal I'm saying, here. There's, there's going to be times when you might have to play the, the, the Eagles. You might have to play the 49ers. And you can't just run the ball up and down the field all game. What could happen? Let me ask you, coming to you, Joy, let me ask you this. What quarterback do the Dallas Cowboys need more? The rookie Dak Prescott, who had 29 total touchdowns, only four interceptions, or <laughs> last year's Dak Prescott, which is truly this year's Dak Prescott with a little more risk. Last year's Dak Prescott, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. This year, 10 touchdowns, six interceptions. What Dak Prescott do you think the Cowboys would benefit from more? I don't think this year's Dak Prescott is last year's Dak Prescott. He's not. He's I don't think worse. this year's off. I think it's completely different. I don't think this year's offense looks the same as last year's offense. Dak even said it. He doesn't want to be the guy that's getting all these statistics and it's not transferring to winning. Shady's right. It goes through the run game. But you have to have a quarterback that can make the defense nervous when you're not running the ball as well in order for the run game to work. So it's a balanced offense, which is what the Cowboys have right now. I don't mind him saying that he's going to continue being aggressive. If he's saying we're going to try and be more aggressive, <laughs> then I'm going to be a little nervous. But how everything that's working for the Cowboys right now is, is good. Don't, don't mess with it so much. And I do think that it's different than, than last year. Would you agree that this offense looks different? I think it's a little bit more well-balanced. And, and Dak, is, he is playing too recklessly, in my opinion. Like, he's got to clean up the turnover issues. That doesn't mean he needs to stop being aggressive. Though. Well, we are going to continue. No, we're going to be more fun coming up, <laughs> talking about the Dolphins and the 49ers, two of the top teams in the NFL. This might be the most important game of the NFL season. And we have to tell you which team has more to prove. Do not go anywhere. That's next. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Dolphins and 49ers are both coming into Sunday's game on Fox Red Hot. Miami, they've won five straight, and the third-ranked offense in the league is what they have. But on the other side, the Niners have won four in a row and are the top-ranked defense in the NFL. Niners ranked favored by two and a half points, according to Fox Bet Sportsbook. I cannot wait for this football game. Buckle up, grab your popcorn, sit down, use the bathroom beforehand because yeah. you do not want to miss a second of it nor this conversation. <laughs> um, who has more to prove in this game? That's the question on the floor. Joy Taylor, what is your answer? I can't take a bathroom break. Can't take a bathroom break. That's a long wait, man. That's football right. games last for a long time. Hydrate before this game. Do the bathroom dance. <laughs> <laughs> the Niners have more to prove. Look at the Niners, favored by three and a half. Ball better, better than their record and stuff. No, the Niners have more to prove. They have a worse record. They have no signature wins. And they're favored. They're at home. True. Uh, they're, they're the best team in the NFC. Just ask anybody. Zach Acho. Yes. Are they the best team in the NFC? <laughs> they up there. They up there with the Eagles. See what I'm talking about? about? That's ridiculous. No, they do. They really do. This this win for the Niners would go a long way for me, for whatever that's worth. I think that the Niners, to this point, are what their record says they are. They have really weird losses. They don't have a win that you can point to other than the Chargers to really feel convinced about. 
What's convinced me is over the past few weeks, not necessarily that they have the wins, but their defense is playing the way that they are. Not letting up a point in the second half in four straight games is astonishing. And what makes me a little nervous about this game is Miami might have some issues on the offensive line going in. And, of course, it's an away game for Miami as well. So I'm picking Miami in this game, but I do think that San Francisco is the one that has more to prove. Joy, I'm going to say that you're Miami Dolphins, and I will claim them as an adopted son of the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to say that the Miami Dolphins have more to prove for this reason. The Niners have the, – the Dolphins, rather, haven't been to the playoffs in a mighty long time. So they do not have or get the benefit of the doubt. Simple truth. If you don't get the benefit of the doubt, you have to remove all doubt, period. The Niners, on the other hand, they got the benefit of the doubt, right? They've been to the Super Bowl two, three years ago. They went to the NFC Championship game last year. They get the benefit of the doubt, but the Dolphins do not, nor should they. They're doing really well right this year, and I will preach about it. Mike McDaniel's doing great for a first-year head coach, but he is a first-year head coach. Du- Tua's doing phenomenal, but this is the first time he's really just put his foot on their necks. If you don't get the benefit of the doubt, you have to remove all doubt. I need to see the Miami Dolphins remove all doubt by beating the Niners. We saw him do it against the Bills. We saw him do it against the Ravens. Now continue to do it, because if the world's not going to give you the benefit of the doubt, in my mind, you got to go remove all of their doubts. Dave Hellman, what say you, sir? i got to start coming up with these. These witty one-liners that you got. Like, that. Uh, if you don't get the benefit of the doubt, remove all that. That sounds so much cooler than what I was going to say. But, I, I mean, that's I agree with you. Like, I, I give so much deference to teams that have proven that they've been there and done that. Kansas City, San Francisco. We'll throw Buffalo in there. They haven't been to a Super Bowl, but they're regulars in the playoff. They've won playoff games. It means a lot more to me. And, and on top of that, what do we talk about all the time? The NFC is a much easier road. The Niners are leading their division now. They're already 4-0 against the NFC West. Like, if they lose out in the division, they still finish with a winning record. They've got the tiebreaker over Seattle. They already beat them once, haven't played them a second time. And who in the NFC worries you? Philly, maybe Dallas, even though the Niners just put it on them last year in the playoffs. Like, who should the Niners be afraid of in the NFC? Now take it over to the Dolphins. Haven't been to the playoffs, haven't proven that this isn't a flash in the pan yet, and then just go down the list of teams that worry you in the AFC playoffs. Uh, it, it's a di- and, and on top of that, the division's tougher. They, they don't have the division locked up. I don't know that I can confidently say I think they're going to win the AFC East right <clears> now. <throat> so this win would mean a lot more to me. San Francisco could lose this game, and I'm like, okay, he'll still probably win the division and be a top four seed in the NFC playoffs. Miami, it's a whole different world. This, winning this game would do wonders to make me feel better that they have staying. Power. Shady, more to prove. Dolphins, Niners, Sunday. It's the Niners. It's the Niners the whole way. First of all, who have the Niners beat? Right? When I look at this record and this, and this schedule, Saints, mm-hmm. Cardinals, and then the beat-up Rams. Or I'm not Rams, the uh, Chargers. And then y'all beat the, 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 the Rams? Rams is bad, bad. So when I look at this team, it's like, who have y'all beat? Y'all assembled this whole team, all these all, these all pro players, all these good players. They look great on paper, but they haven't been tested. And y'all keep talking about all this stuff in the past. See, football is, is year to year. <laughs> It's year to year. This year, he played good. This year, he might play bad. I don't know how Jimmy G's going to play this year, right? He might go out there and actually win some games in the playoffs, right? Like him going to win games, like throwing balls, not just <laughs> handing the ball off. You never know. So all I'm saying is when you're going against the number three offense, and listen, you got Waddle and, 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 and Tyree Hill. You got cover them boys, and Tua's playing how he's, how he's playing. And you got the number one defense, so they say, with the Niners. I got to see it Shame. to believe it. Let me tell you all a personal story, can I? 
personal. Is it about me? Nah, but you were involved. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. Personal okay. story. 2014, I'm playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. LaShawn McCoy is my teammate. Our head coach was Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly was the former coach for the University of Oregon. If you looked up on our roster at a certain point in time, NFL rosters have 53 players plus practice squad at the time, 61 total players. 61 total players. Chip Kelly was our head coach. There was a point in time where nine players on our roster were former Oregon Ducks. This is a true story. True. Nine players on our roster were former Oregon Ducks. Yeah. Oregon Duck players were going to get the benefit of the doubt. I recall we kept a practice squad receiver who had a career, 18 catches for 184 yards in college. We kept him over a Michigan State wide receiver who in his last season had 13 touchdowns and 1,300 yards. So you had to remove all doubt because Oregon players were going to get the benefit of the doubt. I was backing up at linebacker Casey Matthews. If y'all know Casey Matthews' older brother, Clay Matthews, Casey Matthews went to Oregon, and him and I were going up against each other every day at practice because I'm like, look, you forced a fumble in the national championship game against Cam Newton and Auburn for Chip Kelly. You got the benefit of the doubt. But your boy, I have to remove all doubt. That is what I feel about the Miami Dolphins, Joy. I feel like the Dolphins aren't going to get the benefit of the doubt because we ain't seen them before. Like, we don't know who they are. We're not familiar with them. You know who they are. But the greater journalist at large, the Dave Hellmans of the world, they're like, oh, I believe Jimmy G. I saw him in the Super Bowl. I believe Debo Samuel. I believe George Kittle. I believe Trent Williams. But, like, do I really believe in Miami? But this is not a playoff game, and this ain't last year. This ain't last year. This is year. a regular season game, and it's this year. Tua was a different guy last year. This Dolphins team was a different team last year. In fact, we wouldn't even be hyping this game up. Really, right. if we're That's keeping true. it a buck, right. if this was last year. This is this year. This is a different team. San Francisco looks different this year. On paper, they were supposed to be running through everybody. Right. Jimmy wasn't even supposed to be the quarterback. True. <laughs> so everything that you guys are saying really means Miami's the little lowly underdog. They don't have no chance in this game. You've got experience. You've got coaching. you got Debo. you got Jimmy G winning all these playoff games. Miami has no resume. It's just this year. They've proven nothing. Mike McDaniel is a protege of Kyle Shanahan. My young boy. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. On, on paper, they, are the mo they have more talent, don't they? You, I mean, you, you can take San Francisco's roster or Miami's roster. Oof, that's tough. Tough. I'm going Miami. but I'll, I'll the, take the better quarterback. Uh, uh, yeah. So? You, yeah, I'll take Miami, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just check. Come on. Check real quick. So, uh, so everything that you're saying is Miami really shouldn't, shouldn't win this game. No, I, don't, I wouldn't say that. I picked Miami to win this game. I think Miami will win this game. Wait, wait, wait. wait hold up. <laughs> it's not a question of who wait, we say. Wait, we didn't say wait, who we what think will say? win. I think Miami will win the game. Wait, which one is it? You picking them or you? Are I'm you, picking them. I think I thought you was a Niner. You're Niner guy. You, you like Niners everything. I know, but it's Niners or two. Unstoppable force, immovable object. I don't know what happens when they meet, Yo, right? Whatever you do, and I don't want to judge you, but stay on that side. What side? <laughs> if it's Niners, I can't you've been Niners that. every day. Stay on the Niners. I've been, not, I've been Jimmy G. This, I've is, been Tua. this is getting crazy. I don't know what to do. I'm always Eagles. It's I'm like, never going to go yes, with the Giants or you, I'm with the Birds. Joy is with the Dolphins. But here's the Dolphins. question. It's like asking you to choose between your mom and your dad. You wouldn't do that. You I wouldn't do that. Mom. This is the same. Oh, this I is love the same thing. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. I know Shady be on the phone. I love my mom and my dad. Hold on. I love exactly, my mom. exactly. Oh, tell me. This is not the same thing. 
Well, my allegiance is a torn. No, the question is not who's going to win. It's who has more to prove. Yeah, that's the question. But this is, but this is not, a, this is not about the postseason. This is about right now oh, in this man, game and right. what's happening in this season. Like this season right now, who has more to prove in this game? It's the Niners. If, if I was looking. The Dolphins have wins over the Bills Coastline. and the Ravens. That is Tua true. Tua has not lost a game. He has started and finished. The reason. True. Okay, let me ask you if your if logic carries. Let me ask you real quick before we go to break if your logic carries over. The reason I believe. The Niners have that grandfather clause, if you will, not to get historical. The reason is because Josh Allen, he had some bad games this year. But in the back of our head, we know Josh Allen has had 4,900 total yards before. So when he had his bad games this year, we're like, yeah, but Josh Allen has history. Correct. But are we sure that Buffalo's going to make noise in the playoffs yet? Because they might not even win their division yet. Correct. But this season is not over. Don't you factor in, because remember, Josh Allen lost four games last year out of five after he beat the Chiefs last year. Then he beat the Chiefs this year, and he lost three games out of five. So once you've seen a team or a person do something, don't you just kind of give them a little extra no, no, nudge? No, no, no. I know Josh Allen is great. I know he's going to get back on track. But the Buffalo Bills have not won under Josh Allen. They haven't even gotten to Agreed. Now, make Josh, make Josh Allen the San Francisco 49ers because that's what Dave and I are doing. We're saying we know the Niners are great. They started 3-5 and five last year. They finished 10-7, and seven, went to the NFC I don't know game. that they're great. You know that they're great. I think they're good. I think they're All the right. top of an NFC that is not very good this year. Hmm, okay. if, there was a com- if their division was competitive, I don't even know what they would be. Their com- division is terrible. That's a baby bad division. Yep. Bad, bad teams. So, so when we're talking about this year, I'm not talking about the totality of Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan and Debo and George Kittle's, Trent Williams' careers. We're talking about how they're playing this year. This year, if they can beat the Dolphins this weekend, which by all accounts they should because the Dolphins don't have no chance in this game, then that would convince me that they are they are trending in the right direction for the playoffs. Yeah, we will see. It will be a great game for the record. The Niners are favored by three and a half, but on the road, Vegas does give you three points, so it does appear to be a neck-in-neck game. Remember, hydrate now. No bathroom breaks <laughs> during that one. Coming up, Patriots, my goodness. Bill Belichick Whoa. took a mighty large Uh-oh. L last night. Many call him the greatest of all time, but that's what, that's what they say. what is he without Tom Brady? Some controversial opinions have been shared. We got to share our thoughts on those next. Finally. Go back not let me lose my San Francisco card. I like that city. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's World Cup time and we cannot wait for tomorrow morning. United States is taking on the Netherlands. Now the U.S. got some great news today. Their star, Christian Pulisic, has been cleared to play in the round of 16. America rejoices. Let's go. Coverage of this huge game begins 9-8 Eastern, only on Fox and the Fox Sports app. Captain America, let's go. What are your thoughts? There's only two things I can't stand in this world. What's that? People who are intolerant of other cultures. Mm, True. And the Dutch. Down with the Dutch! Down with the Dutch. Down with the Dutch. I believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. Y'all heard what I said. All right, transitioning from football (laughs) to American football. Patriots lost to the Bills last night and are now 6-6 this season. Last place in the AFC East. Bill Belichick, head coach, has six Super Bowl titles on his resume with Tom Brady. 
But since Tom Brady moved on to Tampa Bay, Bill Belichick is an even 23-23 and 23 if you include the playoffs. Those numbers are telling. They are staggering. Six Super Bowls with Tom Brady and 500 without him. What, Dave, have you learned about Bill Belichick post-Tom Brady? I, I don't go in on all of this, and I know Shady's going to. I'll let him do it. I, I don't go in on this whole thing that, that like, oh, you're so bad without your quarterback. Most coaches are 500 without, like, their franchise quarterback. Like, uh, we've talked about Tomlin. We've talked about all these guys. The thing for me that I think is striking about the Patriots – I, I don't know that what their identity is in a post-Tom Brady world. Like, you can go down the line of, like, any team in the league and give, you like, a snapshot of what they do. Like, they run the ball. They play great defense. They got a great offensive line. Super fast receivers in Miami. They air the ball out. They throw over the middle of the field. What do the, what do the Patriots do, and what are they good at? I mean, like, they got a nice defense. Matthew Judon is a fantastic pass rusher. But, like, without Tom Brady – when you're going into a Patriots game, what are you preparing for? Uh, like Ramondre Stevenson, like an okay rushing attack, a who's who of receivers who don't really do a whole lot for you, a defense that's it's, it's okay. Like I, I, I don't know who they are, what they do well, and who does it. Whose fault is of that, Tom Brady. though? Don't mm. you have to put that on the head yeah. coach? If people are watching Somebody the show to blame for that, and don't show. know what this show is about, you yeah. got to blame a producer. Yeah. You got to blame an exec. Got to blame Alcho. <laughs> I mean, if you want, like, Bill Belichick absolutely deserves some culpability in that. Yeah. Just when you think, like, it seems like the Patriots, and, and at this point, you know, we're, we're a few years past Tom Brady leaving, right? This is season number three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's replenishing the talent level. Uh, yeah. Like, again, what do you, what does this team hang its hat on? What do they do well? Who are the players that do that well? I'll say Matthew Judon's name again because he deserves it. He's a hell of a player. Beast. He's not he's not a homegrown Patriots player, though. He's a guy that they brought in in free agency. So, yeah, whether you want to put it on Belichick, the rest of the front office, the rest of the decision makers there, it seems like the Patriots are stuck in neutral in terms of moving on from Tom Brady. I mean, they're, they're 500. They're not a bad team, but it doesn't really seem like they've chosen a direction to go after Tom Brady. It's funny. It's like nobody wants to say it, like, right? Bro. They don't want to say the truth. The truth is, without Tom Brady, with I've learned, with you've learned, what we all learned from watching this team, he's a regular coach. He's not the greatest of all time that we've never seen. He's not the best thing we've ever seen as a coach. No, he's not. Tom Brady was that. How many? And now, hold on, I'll let you talk. Okay, all right. I'll let you talk. Okay, I'm sorry. Now that we watch him, like you talked about, there's no identity. I, I, I don't see what they hang their hat on, right? But this is what I do know. I, I do know when I play for the Bills, right? We will all sit around and talk about it. If Tom Brady's not in, the, in that locker room over there in, in, in the Patriots, they're a regular team. He's a regular coach. And you see it. I mean, let's just look at the numbers. Before I give you my opinion, let's just give some facts. So, Belichick's career without Tom Brady. Without Tom Brady, he wins 47% of the games, right? He made the playoffs two times out of eight that Tom Brady, without Tom Brady. So, you're not going to the playoffs. You're not really winning with Tom Brady, right? You made the playoffs 17 out of 18 year, seasons that he was there, that's winning. And you won 77% of your games. So with Tom Brady, you have a real chance to win. You're a real, you're a real franchise. Now they're a joke. They're last, they're last place in the AFC East. They're last place. I'm going to tell you what the facts are. Right? They're six and six. When the last time you ever seen the Patriots last? Oh, wow. Last. You know when? 18 years ago. And, 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 and the last argument I'm going to say before I pass along to Joy or you. Belichick is like all the other coaches that didn't win, right? I, I love Tomlin. He's a, he, I think Tomlin's probably a better coach, in my opinion. I think he's a better coach. Guys like Rex Ryan, 
Who else? Uh, what's the guy from Cincinnati? Uh, uh, Marvin, Marvin Lewis? Man, Marvin Lewis. Come on. They're on the same boat. What's the difference? The difference is they have Tom Brady number 12. Because now he's gone. Look at him. Look at him. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> um, and nobody wants to say it. I'm going to say it. Because we've been through it. <laughs> now that he's gone, now you can see it. He leaves. They're going to get a championship. They leave. They get Mac. They, they, so they get, a, they get their quarterback, Mac Jones, right? Rookie. They talk about how Belichick, I'm sorry, Joe, it just, it just burns me up. Right, get it out, man. They get, they get, they get Mac, Mac Jones, right? First-round quarterback. Did good at Alabama. Smart kid. Started as a rookie. I don't see no development there. They talk about how, how Belichick is, is disciplined and how he develops players. Who are they developing? They're not developing nobody. The only good players they do have, that they do get, is players that come from other teams, right, that they paying. We ever seen the Patriots go out and pay players. Say, I'm being serious. Now I'm being serious. You don't ever see nobody pay no players. They cut their best player on defense because he didn't want to set the coach they wanted. Right? Jamie Collins. Collins. Jamie Collins. Because you had Tom Brady. We don't need him for defense. We got Tom. Now he going, they paying everybody. They trying to get everybody to come over here. Pay me, I'll come. <laughs> I'll come over there. Pay you, you come over there. It's a joke, man. Joy, what have you learned <laughs> about real. Bill Belichick since Tom Brady departed? Tell the truth, Joy. Uh, what I think I've learned about Bill Belichick is that he is not, he's not good at pivoting. He's not evolving. And I think that's the difference. He, also, he often gets compared to Nick Saban. And I think in a lot of ways, they, are, they have parallels. They're friends. They study each other. They talk a lot. They share a lot of information. <clears throat> but Nick Saban has evolved. Like, he's made major pivots. It was, Alabama was always about defense. Yep. Because that's what the sport was about, defense. You could win with a regular quarterback. You could win with a regular offense, particularly in college, if you had an unbelievable defense. Saban lost a couple times. Like, hold up. <laughs> that ain't about to be me. Yep. Let's get some quarterbacks. Let's get some wide receivers. Now, Alabama is a quarterback factory, a wide receiver factory. Why? Because he pivoted. You have to evolve with the sport. And it just feels like Belichick, well, I can't discount what he's done. I'm not going to erase what I watched for 20 years. Tom Brady is obviously the biggest factor in that success, but there's a lot that goes into being a successful organization as a whole that I think Belichick set the tone for, and Tom Brady was the perfect player, had the perfect attitude, and was the perfect quarterback for the system that Bill Belichick set up and took it to the next level. But you're not going to get another Tom Brady, ever. There will never be another Tom Brady. Ain't like a junior Tom Brady, and like a baby Tom Brady. It's not happening again. He's one of one. Mold was broken. The end. They took the parts to different parts of the earth. You ain't, you're not going to bring it back together. Ain't no Thanos happening. It's not happening. So because we know that this, the, the game has, itself has shifted, why are you not shifting along with it? And it's not that I don't think Mac Jones is capable of developing. He, he shows that he's capable of running an offense. But you saw him last night. If you getting Mac Jones frustrated, if he's yelling at coaches, you saw him yelling, throw the ball. That's Mac Jones. I didn't even know he had it in him. Proud of you. There he is. Look at him. A little spice. Oh, Give it to him, Mac. Oh, he cussed. Tell him. He cussed. Oh, yeah. Oh, he cussed twice. Oh. I, I know Mac. Mac, got, Mac got that dog in him. I like to see it. If you're frustrating him, there's something wrong there. So, to me, he hasn't evolved. Let me throw uh, something explosive into this conversation. Shady, you're going to like this one. I think that Bill Belichick's greatest error isn't necessarily as a coach. I think his greatest error is as a general manager. And the problem is, Bill Belichick, the general manager, it seeps into him as a coach. What do I mean? Since 2014, the Patriots, Bill Belichick, has drafted 80 players. Two have made the Pro Bowl. Their Ooh, punter and Matt Jones, who was a replacement player. So truth be told, one has initially made the Pro Bowl, a punter. 
drafted in the fifth round. Bill Belichick, you cannot be the chef and be upset at what the person that is buying the ingredients is supplying you if you are the person buying the ingredients. Now, what's fascinating to me, Dave, is this. If Bill Belichick is greater than every other coach, which the world has led us to believe, then he should have greater results than every other coach without his great quarterback. If Bill Belichick is greater than Tomlin, if Bill Belichick is greater than all these other coaches, then how come Bill Belichick is 500 like Tomlin is 500 without their starter? Who I think is most interesting to take a good hard look at is Andy Reid. He can't touch Andy. Andy Reid Andy. Andy had Donovan McNabb. He had Mike Vick. He had Alex Smith. He had Pat Mahomes. He drafted Nick Foles. Nick Foles goes on to be a Super Bowl MVP under a different coach, but he drafts Nick Foles. Andy Reid had all of those quarterbacks, and all of those quarterbacks succeeded, and Andy Reid succeeded with all those quarterbacks, the last one being Patrick Mahomes. But before Pat, Andy Reid was still balling. Shady, I wanted to come to you on that note yeah. because how do you feel about Bill Belichick in light of a guy I, like Andy Reid? I, I just think of, like, Andy Reid, like, he can't touch Andy on no level. Like, and the autumn quarterbacks, so I give them credit, they were, they were great, especially Pat. Pat's probably the best out of autumn guys. But if you give Andy Reid a dude like Tom Brady, come on. Championships, championships, championships. What, they went six over there in New England? He might have won ten. I don't know. For example, like, he was taking decent wide receivers. Yeah, James Thrash, Kingston. Four times an MC championship? Like, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to hate on Belichick. I'm just keeping it real. Like, once you take him off, once you take Tom away from that, the Patriots, they look regular. You give Andy Reid that. You give Andy Reid him. Andy Reid develops players. He coaches them. He does everything. I just don't see the difference. I, I just don't see the, the big hype. With Belichick. We don't have time. I don't for, see it. We don't have don't time see for it. what I'm about to for say. For Andy Reid, I can see it. Make, it's going to make y'all mad. Andy Reid has had great quarterback play for the vast majority of his career. Like, Donovan McNabb was a great quarterback. Patrick, hey, Tommy. Patrick Mahomes Hey, Tommy. is the best. So, that's where Shady's going to go. Think about all of the great coaches and all of the great quarterback play, whether it's Mike Tomlin with Ben Roethlisberger, whether it's uh, Mike McCarthy when he was with Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur now that he has Aaron Rodgers, Sean Payton and Drew Brees. All of these great coaches with great quarterback play, and everybody else has a spotty at best record of winning championships. The Patriots went to what eight Super Bowls? Yeah. Well, I, I think to nine. nine. They went to nine. That's so that's it's all Tom Brady. That's he's right. that much better than even like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. Yeah, he is. I know he's the best he of is. all time. He I, I can't. I can't too. buy that. That it's he simply is the best of all time. The but quarterback. also. We regard Bill Belichick as the greatest coach of all time. We do. Where we don't necessarily talk about those guys as the greatest coaches of all time. They're all great. Many of them are Hall of Fame coaches. But Bill Belichick gets put into the same category as Tom Brady. Now, I don't think... That's what's fascinating. I don't That's think a that great these, point, Joy. It's fascinating. Thank you, guys. Let's <laughs> <laughs> take that moment take that compliment. I don't think that the, the book has been written yet. I don't think we can really evaluate the two of them until both of their careers are over because obviously Tom Brady is winning now. He won mm -hmm. a Super Bowl. He went to another organization. They're more competitive than Playoffs the every year. Yes, exactly. Now, do I think that Bill Belichick will, let's say he plays for another five years that he'll win a Super Bowl? No, I don't because Probably I don't not. think that he's going to evolve in a way that he needs to. And your point about him being a GM is very true. That's you. You can't complain about how players are playing when you're consistently picking the players. But I think when I talk about him evolving, I think that's also what I mean, that, you know, we talk about Andy Reid and what he's done with those quarterbacks. Andy Reid's an offensive coach. Bill Belichick and most of his success happened when a time when defense, you could really win with defense. Now, obviously, we know Tom Brady was the biggest part of that. 
but you could have a strong defense and still make up for Tom Brady throwing to guys that we didn't know. Also, they don't have an offensive coordinator. Yeah. Like, this is, they're doing things that are unexplainable. Like, why do you not have an offensive coordinator with a young quarterback in his second year? So there are a lot of things that still have to play out for the rest of Belichick's career. But I think once, once the book is written, we'll see really the biggest picture of whether it was all Tom Brady, which I don't think you can disregard what they accomplished, but the scales might tip a lot depending on how these next few years go. That is fascinating. But what's even more fascinating, what is going on with the Denver Broncos? They give Russell Wilson a quarter billion dollars this offseason. And I'm going to have a very interesting thought about what the Broncos must do with Russell Wilson if you want to salvage the future of that potentially Hall of Fame quarterback. That's next on Speed. Why do you guys say it like that? Quarter billion. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. The biggest story in the NFL this season, the biggest disappointment in the NFL this season is Russell Wilson, potentially a Hall of Fame quarterback. And I have this thought. The Denver Broncos should consider shutting down Russell Wilson. Why? Because before you make any business decision, you have to run a cost-benefit analysis. you got to gauge the pros of something and the cons of something. Continue to play Russell Wilson. You can, but what do you gain? You gain experience in Nathaniel Hackett's playbook. Well, guess what? That playbook will likely not be there next year. Continue to play Russell Wilson. What do you gain? You gain the opportunity at him potentially getting injured. You really gain nothing as opposed to what might it cost you. See, it might cost Russell Wilson's health, but most importantly, it might cost Russell Wilson's confidence. The season is lost for the Denver Broncos, but what's not lost? The $239 million you owe him. See, they owe Russell Wilson a whole lot of money over the next few years. You can take a look at it for yourself. You have to protect your most valuable asset. Run a cost-benefit analysis. That's what any successful business does. And if you are a successful business and you have an asset like Russell Wilson, then you have to weigh the pros and the cons. And very simply put, there are far more cons by continuing to play Russell Wilson than there ever will be pros. For that reason, I believe the Denver Broncos should go ahead and shut him down and salvage the future of their quarter billion dollar quarterback. Let me head to the desk because I did have this thought. I understand it is off the wall, but I'm very curious about what you all think about it. Joy, should the Denver Broncos consider shutting down Russ? Hell no! Uh oh. <laughs> I'd be damned I pay someone $28 million. You healthy? And in your prime, and I traded what to get you? A lot. Oh. First round. I didn't hear it. <laughs> Hell no. Yes. No. Nope. Gonna have to go out there and get that check. Sometimes you gotta work. Today is day. <laughs> I'm sorry. And he's not young. I, it's, I don't really need to hear about confidence with Russell Wilson. If you're a young quarterback, we can have the confidence conversation. I'm talking about before you've ever been paid, before you've ever been cemented as a franchise quarterback anywhere. Then you can be delicate. Then you can speak life into them. We talked about this the other day. Then you can lift them up. And I'm not saying that veteran quarterbacks don't need that. But when you're getting $28 million a year, there are any therapist in the world is available to you. 
They're, they're out there. Ain't nobody that expensive. So not to make light of what's happened this year, and I don't know what Russ is going through and what's going on with the Denver Broncos, but if you're healthy, this is not a health situation. This isn't a situation like the Packers where we need to find out what the young boy can do. It's not a situation like the Rams where everybody hurts, so what's the point? No, 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 no. This is your first year with Denver. You were, you were supposed to be in the championship conversation. Nope. Go on and get the pads and get out there because there is <laughs> no way that that makes any sense. It just doesn't. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Joy. He got to play. We paid you this money for a reason. We didn't just pay you this money to just come out and play football. We paid you this money to be our franchise player. Yeah. Like, like when we talk about the uh, Broncos, like Russell Wilson and the Broncos, right? So go out there. He got to play. And then also, like, he's in a slump. It's, it's no secret. He's in a slump. See, I, I don't beat him down for that, right? But I do want you to go out there and play and get out the slump, right? Hey, something that you're, you're, you're each week trying to get better at something else. And it's, it's not a guy that's going to be gone tomorrow. <laughs> He's going to be there for some time. So, hey, if it's the deep ball, if it's throwing the ball on time, whatever it is, get out there and let's work on that each week. If he got to play. If you had brought this to me, like, on New Year's Day and the Broncos are not any better, I'd be like, yeah, okay, what's one or two games? Like, what, what are you really going to accomplish? There's still – it's easy to fall into this trap that, like, the season's winding down because it's December. There's a lot of football left. Six games? What kind of example does that set? Like, he's, he's not hurt, and, and you're not mathematically eliminated, by the way. I, th- I looked this up. It's like 0.01%. Like, it's very low. It's very low, but there is a mathematical chance that they make the playoffs. So, like, at the very least – this, is, this could be a conversation in January. At the beginning of December, no way, man. Let me appeal to the long-term logic here. Let me appeal to the empath in all of you. Shady, I don't believe it behooves you to add more weight to a bar if you don't have a spotter, right? If you're already struggling with this bench, don't put more weight on it thinking that, Ooh, oh, I'm somehow right. going to get stronger if yeah. I'm currently struggling. If I'm struggling with my squat, don't put more weight on it thinking I'm going to get stronger and just push through it. That's how I feel about Russell Wilson right now. Like, he's currently struggling fi- struggling physically. Clearly, we know to some degree he's struggling mentally based upon the fact that he's never been in a sump like this that he hasn't come out of, and he's not coming out of the sump like this. If you are struggling with the weight and you don't have a spotter, don't put on more weight. As I think about it, Joy, as I think about it, Dave, as I think about it, Shady, he has nothing to gain by continuing to play. 0.01% chance of making the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs. He can get better at mastering this playbook, but this isn't going to be his future playbook. So outside of continuing to play for the sake of paying him that money, I'm truly trying to figure out how does it benefit Russell Wilson, Shady, to continue to play him? What good does it do, Russ? And, and, and I'm going to disagree with you real quick, George. Please do. Oh. I, I, I think, no, 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 I don't really agree with you, but right here, I think confidence matters. Like, it's not an age limit that, that, that you lose confidence. That's a good point. The way he's playing, he's not confident, right? You get paid all this money, everybody's still going to do these great things, Right? Then you have a bad year like this. He's never had a year like this. So I can only imagine what he's thinking. Like, damn, am, am, I, am I that bad? Is it me? I'm sure he has these questions with Sierra or himself in the mirror. He told us somebody about it. Probably God, because he prays a lot. Mm-hmm. He, I'm sure he say, hey, am I, that, am I this bad? So I think playing these games can build a little confidence. I think if he has some good games, right, we see some plays this week, get some first downs, maybe some touchdowns, that gains a little confidence. We might not can't see it, but we can see it through his play. No, I don't disagree that there's uh, an age limit on confidence. I'm just saying that the care factor from in the building is going to go oh, okay, down tremendously when they're running you a $28 million check. Right. you got to figure out how to keep yeah. that confidence high. When you're a younger player, there's a little bit – got a little more space. More you slack. get a little more grace. Once you get that check, 
whether it's fair or not, again, what's fair? You're getting $28 million. But you know what's fascinating, Joy? It's like the higher-paid players, you would think, get the more scrutiny. But the highest-paid players actually get treated the easiest. You know, within the Philadelphia Eagles locker room. Yeah, yeah, right, highest-paid right. players practice the least. The highest-paid players work the least hard within the confinements of practice. They probably do the most stuff outside of practice. So... To some degree, it is counterintuitive, but because you are paying him that kind of money, shouldn't you treat him the most delicately? For example, you probably have the Chanel or the Birkin or the whatever. Technically, if you pay $3,500 for a purse, you should use it every day. But you pay $3,500 for a purse, and you probably only use it once a week at best. But that's counterintuitive. He knows. You yeah, feel me? Oh, he buy, oh, he buying purses. But I'm saying, in the, in the oh, same... Oh, he buying purses. <laughs> he knows numbers. <laughs> I hate you so much. In, in the same breath, it's like, if you're paying Russell Wilson that much, don't you agree on the left side of the table there's some form of higher level of delicacy there should be? I mean, I don't think that they need to just disregard what's happening with him. Yeah, I think no. they should do everything they can to help him, for sure. I'm not saying that you should just tell him to go rub some dirt on it and figure it out. But the idea that he shouldn't be playing to me is crazy. You asked for this. You wanted out of Seattle. This was a location that you wanted to go to. You, in, you took in all the hype when we were talking about nobody. He doesn't come in out here saying, no, 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 no. Like, we're, we're going to take things slowly. He said, let's ride. Broncos country. You know what I'm saying? So, like, <laughs> there was a buildup to this. I'm not saying that there's not any something weird going on here. I think we can all agree. This is yeah. something weird going on here. Not a doubt. And they have every bit of an investment and incentive to fix it. But to just punt on the rest of the season, no pun intended, to me, just that just <laughs> sounds crazy. <laughs> like, there's no reason for him not to be out there trying to work through this slump. You mentioned uh, delicacy, too. Like, that reminds me of Seattle, to be honest with you. Like, that's how... Some of these bad vibes with Russ started is those Legion of Boom guys thought that the coaches and, and the front office were too nice to Russell Wilson. Like, imagine, and not all of these guys, but a lot of the guys on the Broncos right now, like, they're in this too. Right. Like, they're under contract. They're going to be there next year. They're like, I got to go out there, work my ass off, and be associated with this crap product, and you don't, even though you're the face of the franchise? Like, how, like I mean, y'all have been in locker rooms. How would that make you feel if, I, if, I, if the guy – most responsible for how bad the team was was just given the last month of the season off. I thought about that, Shady. Follow up on my thought and then we'll take it home is quarterbacks are in such untouchable territory within locker rooms that you get immune and numb to how you're allowed to feel. You've been there. Practice before a game on Saturdays. Everybody, offense, defense, for the most part, and particularly special teams, they're doing things. Quarterbacks throwing balls in the trash cans. They're playing catch with the wide receivers. Throughout the course of the week, during training camp, quarterbacks have a different color jersey. Shady's getting hit. Linebackers are hitting. Quarterback, don't you dare touch the quarterback. So quarterbacks are always in such an untouchable territory that you dare not compare yourself to them. But, Shady, what's your experience? Uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I wasn't getting hit in practice, but – <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. Like the quarterbacks, they definitely get like different set of rules. Like camp, right? They're not getting they're not getting touched in camp, you know, or, or even like on, on, on live drills. You can't even get close to the quarterback. I've seen a player get cut. I won't say what coach was. They cut a player for being next to the quarterback. So you gotta get used to that. And I think it starts from college, yep, right? Absolutely. College to get to the pros, and now the most high expensive player is the quarterback. But let me ask you guys this: If that's the case, those are all normal situations. Yep. Not touching. A Quarterback in training camp is normal. Not them, you know, practicing the way they do on the weekends is normal. This would be kind of an unprecedented situation. 
right? It would. So wouldn't I wouldn't like this. Wouldn't that breed a little yeah. resentment in the locker room? Absolutely. And and you all are exactly yeah. right. I do not think that this would go over well for the Broncos, but I'm trying to open up the door instead of looking through the keyhole. The keyhole simply says, okay, let's make sure the locker room is great. But if you open up the door, I'm trying to make sure the future for the Broncos and Russell Wilson is great. Coming up, the Eagles, they've had a great season under Jalen Hurts. And by great, That's I true. mean 10 and 1, best in the NFL. Great. But there's been some controversy surrounding just how good Jalen Hurts is. Here we You'll go. be very intrigued to hear what we have to say about it next on TV. Welcome back, family. This is the biggest weekend in all of college football. If you've missed every game up to this point, that is okay because this is now where the party starts. The championship games. This decides who goes to the college football playoffs and eventually the national championship. Dave, let's get it started. Yep. There's a game tonight in Las Vegas on Fox. USC, Utah. That is a huge matchup. USC lost to Utah by one point earlier in the season. Yep. If USC beats Utah, they go to the college football playoffs. Talk to me about that game. Who do you think makes it through? I mean, I, I think USC low-key, Caleb Williams could secure the Heisman for himself. Absolutely. Like everybody above him has kind of slipped up. He plays great tonight. Utah was their only loss, so they avenge their only loss, and he plays great. I think not only does USC get into the playoff, but I think he wins the Heisman. What do you make of, you've been covering football for a mighty long time, I would say that Lincoln Riley's coaching display this year may be the greatest coaching display we've seen of the generation. You go to USC, a team that haven't sniffed the playoffs. You go to USC, and in one year, you are on the verge of winning the Heisman with Caleb Williams, your quarterback, who came from Oklahoma, and you can go to the college football playoffs. Have we seen anything like it? It's unprecedented. And, like, not to take credit away from USC, but keep in mind, like, the transfer portal has changed that. Like, Lincoln Riley took a lot of talent to L.A. with him. Like, it's not like he inherited this roster. He brought Caleb. He brought, he's got a Bolitnikoff trophy-winning receiver. Like, there's talent in L.A. I, I don't know if it's unprecedented, but it is very impressive. Incredibly impressive. What's more impressive than that? How about TCU, the Horn Frogs? They are undefeated. This is a dream season. Their quarterback, Max Duggan, he should be in New York for the Heisman Trophy presentation. TCU, Kansas State, Kansas State, a really good football team. You expect TCU to handle business. I think it's going to be stressful based on TCU's season. Like, they seem like they're always trailing in the second half. They always find a way to take it to the wire. Selfishly, as an LSU homer, I, I need TCU to win because I don't need Bama sneaking around the playoff picture. Please close the door, TCU. I don't care if it's stressful. Just find a way to get the W. You please. said you're an LSU homer. Let's yep. talk about LSU very quickly. Any chance at all whatsoever LSU can take down Georgia? They're going to cover, baby. I don't know about <laughs> when. I don't know about when, but they're going to cover. Look, we got Joy Taylor on the set. Yes, we, we got do. Mason Taylor playing in the game. Look, Jaden Daniels has a skill set that can cause a great defense problem. Like, you got to be sound. I mean, he, he escapes out of the pocket. All of a sudden, he's going 20, 30 yards. We've seen him do it all season long. I think LSU can play it close. I, I hope they win. I'm not confident enough to say they're going to, but I think I think they'll put a good effort. Last but not least, Michigan is without the number two running back in all of college football, Blake Corum. He's done for the season, has to have knee surgery, but can Purdue pull off a shocking upset over Michigan? No. It just it reminds me of last year. It was Iowa, Michigan. We kind of had the same storyline going in, and Michigan walked all over them and went to the playoff. I expect that to happen again. It's interesting. Again, TCU and USC are the interesting ones to me. I think those are the ones with the most potential for upset. And honestly, even if LSU upsets Georgia, I think Georgia is in the playoff regardless, based on how dominant they've been all year defending national champions. These two games, though, not only potentially open the door for Bama. You could open the door for Michigan's biggest rival, Ohio State. The idea of Ohio State and Michigan being in a playoff together, I don't know 
if Ohio State deserves it, but it would be good television. So I, that's that's what I'm watching is, are we going to see anybody sneak in through the back door? In college football, one loss makes you the third, fourth, maybe fifth best team. But in the National Football League, one loss keeps you at the top. And that's where the Philadelphia Eagles are currently right now. Best record in football, sitting there 10-1. and one. Combo of Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown is a huge reason why. A.J. Brown, star receiver, $125 million this offseason. But an anonymous executive is not sold saying, Jalen Hurts, he doesn't really believe in him. He has the quarterback. Eh, are you getting a full return on A.J. Brown considering the quarterback they have? That's a legitimate question. So for context, Jalen Hurts, he's been dominating. But an anonymous exec is saying, are you really getting a full return on your most expensive player, A.J. Brown, because of Jalen Hurts? Shady, do you agree or what do you make of that Jalen Hurts criticism? I disagree and it's very laughable. Ooh. All right, this is a joke. And I didn't get too upset because a lot of his ex, they don't know nothing about football. They think it's fantasy football, for real. So I can't get too mad, but come on. Like, A.J. Brown is a dog. He's a beast. That's why we brought him here. But let's be real. This is probably his best season so far, right? He's top 10 in, 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 in uh, receiving yards. He's having a good year. The problem is our, our team is balanced. That, that's the issue. Like, we, we can win in different ways if it's running the ball a lot or if it's throwing the ball a lot. We don't have to win by just the traditional throw it every down. I mean, the, the, you know, Dak Prescott doesn't do that. Sorry. Um, we're fourth in offense. Like, we're making plays. Listen, Jalen Hurts is the reason why we're, we're 10 and 1. That's, if we're just being honest, this, this guy is he's a leader. He demands the respect of the team. He got these boys playing. They believe in him. He's a leader that I haven't seen since Tom Brady. I'm just being honest. So I hear about these execs laughing and playing around and making a joke because it's definitely a joke. This can't be real. Mm. I mean, it's, it, it is really funny. Like, come on. This is like, like a silly thing to say overall. Like, even if the numbers didn't completely make this statement pointless because he's on pace for his third 1,000-yard season right. in, in four years. And through week 12, he has more yards and more receptions and one less touchdown uh, than this point in his 2020 Pro Bowl season. So he's actually putting up the same amount of numbers that he is come with Jalen Hurts. And they're winning. And they're winning. Come on. But the bigger point is, who the hell – Builds their team like, we got to get a wide receiver, cornerstone wide receiver, and it's Super Bowl time. <laughs> Maybe that's why you're an anonymous. Because <laughs> well, nobody does that. No disrespect to wide receivers, but it's a quarterback league. Nobody care about getting the most out of a – who says that? Listen, we got to replace the quarterback. He's not getting the most out of the wide receiver. No, that wide receiver is not getting the most out of the quarterback. It's a dependent position. It's nonsense. Just because you're paying him the most – it just doesn't, the statement doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Dave, where you stand? I can't stand this quote. I Like, this particular quote, this particular line of thinking is so asinine. I can't believe somebody who's paid to talk to – not paid to talk about football, football, paid to know about football. I can't believe somebody would say that. If you want to criticize Jalen Hurts' ability as a true passer, pocket passer, all that good type of stuff, that's a conversation we can have. But to say – you're not getting a full return on A.J. Brown? <laughs> like, like, so, you, like, like Shady said, is, is this fantasy football? Like, right. well, if we're paying this kind of money, we better be getting 100 catches for 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. No. You pay A.J. Brown to open up more favorable throwing windows for your young quarterback. Right. To demand more intense coverage to open things up for your running game, to make life e easier on Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, all that good type of stuff. This is all interconnected. A.J. Brown, I don't care if he didn't finish with 1,000 yards. If he's drawing coverage, making life easier on everybody else, making life easier on Jalen Hurts, 
then you're getting your return from him. I don't care about the arbitrary stats. It honestly, I'm going to pound this drum for the rest of my life. It reminds me of the Cowboys trading away Amari Cooper. You're like, we're not getting our return. He's supposed to have 1,000 yards. No, he, if he's making life easier on the rest of your offense, he's doing his job. Like, this is such a <laughs> stupid attitude to have. Uh, he better have if, – if you're not getting 1,200 yards, you're not getting your money's worth. No. Let me, that's not how this works. Let that's me not try how any to, of this works. Let me try to take it home like this because I think we've all looked at something upside down before, and this anonymous exec is looking at things upside down. The question is not – are the Eagles getting the most out of A.J. Brown? The question is, is A.J. Brown getting the most out of the team? And he absolutely is. Shady, I was doing some numbers. You ain't got to come up here with me. But I wasn't, if I wasn't. not, what has Jalen Hurts done for A.J. Brown? But what has A.J. Brown done for the Philadelphia Eagles? And that's all you have to ask yourself. When you think about how all the Eagles have improved since A.J. Brown arrived, you get to it very simply. 2021, 17.7 when you want to talk about touches per game between the Eagles' next receivers. Now 24.2. 2021, scrimmage yards per game. 166, now 165. 2021, scrimmage touchdowns per game, 0.4, now 1.3. So the anonymous anonymous exec is looking at life upside down. He's asking himself, hey, what can you do for A.J. Brown? That's not the question. The question is, what can A.J. Brown do for you? Well, staying with the Eagles, do not miss your chance to win $100,000 of Terry Bradshaw's money on Fox Bet Super 6. It is time to make our picks. Titans versus Eagles. Download the app. Play along for your big chance to win. Y'all know where I'm at. It's Philadelphia Eagles. They're going to win this one by six points. Dave Hellman. It's going to be stressful, man. Titans run defense. I got Eagles by three. It's going to be stressful, though. I have Eagles by seven. Mm. What do you got, Tupac? Eagles by seven. Why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? Because he always thinks I'm, like, cheating. (laughs) Were you a cheater in high school? Like, oh, yeah, of course. I feel it. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Well, Fox Bet Super 6 has already given away over $1 million this football season, and they're guaranteed winners every week. Download the free-to-play app and your picks in the NFL Sunday Challenge Contest for a chance to win $100,000. More speak after this. Welcome back, family. This is my favorite segment of the week. Now, we all saw the game yesterday. Bills. They got week 13 started, but now it's time for me to pick every single winner from every single game this weekend. See if your favorite team's going to win. Put the time on the clock. I need my 100 seconds on your marks. Let's get set. It's time to roll. First up, Steelers-Falcons. What a game we have here. Two teams that are really buying for mediocrity. I think the Steelers are going to find a way to get it done. bears Packers, Aaron Rodgers. We didn't know what he was going to do. He said he's playing. That means I'm riding with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Lions, Jags. Jags had a huge win last week over the Ravens. I think they're going to sit on their high horse and get knocked off. Lions get it done. This is a sneaky, huge game. Vikings, Jets, 7-4, 9-2, 7-4. That team wins. Jets get it done. Let's go to the flip side. Commanders, Giants. This is a must-win game for truly both of these teams. Commanders and Taylor Heineke, they get it done. Eagles, Titans. Y'all heard my pick just a second ago. Eagles are going to win. They're going to win by six. How about the Ravens and the Broncos? Ravens, they got to get right. Bad loss last week. They do get right. Ravens win. Texans, Browns. Deshaun Watson makes his return to the NFL, makes his return to Houston. I think the Cleveland Browns get it done. Seahawks, Rams. I don't even know who's playing in this game for the Rams. For that reason, Geno Smith, Pete Carroll, they get back on track. They've had a couple too many losses the last two weeks. Seahawks win. Niners, Dolphins, game of the week. The freaking game of the week. I have to give my allegiance to Tua and the Dolphins. Dolphins win. Uh, Chiefs, Bengals. Woo! 
This was sneaky for me. Bengals won the last two matchups. Chiefs got it done. Patrick Mahomes, I trust in you. Chargers, Raiders. I believe in the social media quarterback. <laughs> Justin Herbert and the social media troops, they get it done. Cowboys, Colts, this is easy money. Dallas Cowboys are going to beat the Fighting Jeff Saturdays. And lastly, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints. The Bucks get it done. Get back on track. Get back to 500 in ball. Golly, that's tiring. Yo, you said that was your favorite segment of the week. You told me Crazy Work is your favorite Yo, you been off all day today. You have to then you said the 49ers are your team. You now you said the Dolphins. You have two favorites. I'm done. You can't I, have two I favorites. like them both. I'm I done. like them both. I'm I done. Think you know what I mean? Like, you can have two best friends. You can have two favorite segments. Oh, Shady I'm doesn't done. think Shady he can, though. Shady, I, think, I don't do best friends on that. Yeah. That's like. Are you really offended? No, nah, I just want you to be honest. I'm offended that you're not being honest. Okay, that was my favorite segment I do by myself. Say that. That's my, oh, you're right. I should have specified. I apologize. That my, Sorry. All right, let's do this. <clears throat> Welcome back to my favorite segment that I do by myself. It's the 100-second sprint. There you go. Better? There we go. Yeah. I, just, I, I thought you were going to make all the picks again. Better. Yeah. No. Uh, they put the music on there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's roll. Dolphins-Niners, that is the biggest matchup. That's the matchup everybody and their mama has to be watching. Dave Hellman, I am coming to you. What would a dominant win for Tua mean? Because that's where all eyes are. It would mean that I take him seriously. And I, that maybe sounds harsh, but I'll be honest with y'all. This whole time, I'm like, my attitude towards Tua and the Dolphins to this point has been like, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, like, okay, like the Dolphins are good for a change and, and Tua's playing really well. But I, I, I'm, I'm not sold on the staying power. I'm not sold on what it means. Like, Tua's in the MVP conversation, but if I'm being very bluntly honest, I'm always like, Oh, okay. That's like he can be in the conversation until we give the award to somebody else. That's how I've felt all year. This this has the potential to really change that. I think if if he wins this game and balls doing so, now I think you're really talking about him on on an elevated level. Where like after Mahomes and Allen, who else but Tua? Joy, dominant win by Tua. What in the world would that mean? You are a Dolphins fan. You've been watching them forever. Going back to freaking Fitzpatrick, then before Fitzpatrick. Who they have before Fitzpatrick? Ryan Tannehill. Was Chad Pennington there or was no, he no, just no. Jets? Let's go back to, let's remember go back to, let's Cleo go back to Marine. Lemon? Yes, I remember Cleo Lemon. Cleo Lemon connecting with Greg Camarillo. I cried after that game. I cried real <laughs> tears after that game. <laughs> I cried. It was like the, super, it was the closest thing to the Super Bowl. Joy's invested in this. Oh, uh, she is. Yeah, you got to go back to Marino. Uh, of course. It was, it was 97. Um, <laughs> It would just mean he has another dominant win this year. Are we not calling the Ravens win a dominant win? Absolutely was. It absolutely so, was. So, well, add another one to the resume then, because that's what it was. And it would be a dominant win, because by all accounts, they should not win this game. They banged up on the offensive line. Mm -hmm. They're three-and-a-half-point underdogs. The Niners haven't given up a second-half point in the last four games. Yeah. So, yes, this would mean a lot. Now, I don't think it would change the case for everything that he's done this season, and I don't think he needs to be dominant in order to feel that way. He's already first in passing yards per attempt this year, second in passing yards per completion, first in passer rating, tied for fifth in passing touchdowns, second in touchdown-interception ratio. Through 30 starts, he has more passing yards than Tom Brady, fewer interceptions than Aaron Rodgers, and more passing touchdowns than Joe Montana. He's doing fine. He'll be all right. So this game particularly, I, I've said all week, I think it means more and the Niners need it more for this season, not for their overall story of Kyle Shanahan or Jimmy Garoppolo or Debo Samuel or Trent Williams' career. But this weekend, I think it will do for a lot of people that are still doubting Tua what Dave said. Not for me, though. Yeah, I think just 
if he goes in there and dominates, I guess, the number one defense, it's the 49ers, that's everybody picks him to be the, the best team in the NFC on paper. If he go out there and dominate, I, I think it'll be big, not only for him, but for the league. Like, when you, when you talk about quarterbacks, nobody brings up Tua. Good point. It's a primetime game. So, you, you, you primetime game playing against the top defense who hasn't let a, 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 a score in the second half in four games. Like, that's big. Everybody puts San Fran on this level. So, if Tua goes in there and dominates and balls out, and not even if he wins. I think they will win, but let's say they don't. Let's say he just balls out. Everybody will be like, wow, Tua is a way different player, et cetera. Like, if you really watch the games, you can see it. But everybody doesn't watch these games. Right. They watch us talk on TV, what we say. They watch other platforms. But now if you want to dominate, the whole world will see, yo, two was the real deal. And then you put him in the MVP candidate. Yeah, I, I don't know what the current odds are for MVP, but I would go on a stretch and say this, not to be controversial, but I do think if Tua dominates this game, I think he might leapfrog Jalen Hurts in the MVP race. Obviously, that might sound asinine, but I think what people would do is this, though, Shady. I think they would be like, wait, Tua had a 28-point comeback against the Ravens. Tua came back against the Bills. Tua would have dominated the Niners. In narrative and story form, I think, which is what journalists dictate their decisions off of, I think that Tua would have such a great narrative and such a great story that I think at least he's leapfrogging everybody besides Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. That's just my opinion on it. You know what I mean? It's it's Friday. It's Friday, right? It is Friday. I can tell because you you working me today, boy. (laughs) And I think you're doing it on purpose. Like, 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 you're lying about your your team that you love the most. I thought it was the the Niners. Now it wasn't, right? You get up there, you're doing a, a, a thousand mile sprint about all the teams. 100 seconds. Whatever it was. And you tell me, oh, this is my greatest and favorite most segment. You tell me every week that uh, uh, crazy work is. Now it's like, oh, Tua goes there and dominates. You know, he's just hopping over uh, Hurts for MVP. It's Friday, and I'm going to let you be great. Well, how much time we got left? This dude is getting crazy today. Well, look, I'm sorry, Shady. Coming up, I will have a grand theatrical apology to LaShawn McCoy. But more importantly, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, marquee matchup. Y'all need to figure out who we believe wins that one. Remember, that kept Mahomes from a Super Bowl just last year. Next on Speed. Shady's happy hours. Yeah, something's going on. I can tell. Now, look, if you want to talk about listening to things, I've heard a whole bunch of trash talk this week. This is some of the craziest trash talk all NFL season between the chief safety, Justin Reed, who called Bengals tight end Hayden Hurst the wrong name before the game. Now, he said he was going to shut him down. Hurst clapped back. Hey, Hurst, speak up, big dog. I laughed a little bit. Um... I don't know. I mean, you could pick anybody in this locker room, but you know, I feel like I'm the last person you probably want to talk about because um, I have a long memory. I have a long memory? Nobody's that? Yeah. I know you know I love it. I love a petty individual. Give, Hold on to those grudges. Give me all of the trash talk. Like, why aren't we doing this before every game? It's so much fun, so much more fun. when teams are going back and forth. Jamar Chase got into it with Reed on Twitter. They're like, he's like, put some money on it. Like, it's incredible. But I, here's why I don't buy it, 2-5. I don't buy I don't it because buy it. Hayden Hurst was a first-round pick just five years ago, and he's already on his third team. 
Like, yeah, you can't be all that. Like, Aiden Hurst, for context, America, was drafted ahead of Lamar Jackson by the same team that drafted Lamar Jackson. You on your third team and you the last person to talk trash Aiden, to? Aiden, they said you ain't going to do nothing this weekend. He's been a good player, though. He's a first-round pick, coach. Man, come I'm, on, man. I mean, whatever. I, I'm, I'm surprised we even know who he is. Yeah, like, he is. But he's like, oh, I can't say anything back because I'm on my third team. He was that dude. I'm the last dude. Jamar Chase is the last dude. The worst player on every team. I'm surprised he knows who that guy is, though, for real. Though. <laughs> yeah, I thought he should have said like a number, like yo, number eighty-eight. I'm a lucky. Like, come he, on. He said the wrong number. That's how it all got started. I'm just saying, but like, like he got a. He got to chill, though. Hayden Hurst? I'm the last person. Like, my man. The worst What's player on every team say? thinks he's the man. He, he should say nothing. That's how this go, works. The way he plays and who he is, he should just go play his game. He should say nothing back. What? Ah, I love it. <laughs> well, coming up, we got race up next. But y'all have a great weekend. Thanks for rocking with us. It's Speak. We'll see you next time.